0: Hello, everyone. Whenever you're listening to this, good morning, good night, good evening. You are listening to the Rise Real Estate Investing Podcast with your host Austin Yay and
1: Mayu. What's going on, everyone? It's a beautiful Sunday morning over here for us. It's not and very
0: uh, beautiful. This guy's full of shit. It's snowing. I you mean, just take a look outside, Mayu, it's like snowing like crazy right now.
1: Yeah, but nothing's actually staying on the ground, is it? I don't know. Where you- I mean, I'm in downtown, so I guess the snow never really stays on the ground here.
0: Yeah, and you know what? With lockdown, snow would actually kind of help because it just makes less of a reason to go outside. Get out.
1: yeah, yeah, staying so. home seems more cozy. Yeah, so I mean, before we talk about our guests this week, Austin, like what have you been up to?
0: I guess one of the things I want to touch on a lot is the Rise Network community on Facebook. It's something that Mayu and I have been working hard to try to engage and, and bring more people onto that platform. If you guys are listening to this podcast and are not in the Rise Network community on Facebook, please join it. It's going to be in the show notes below. So basically what we do on there is is that a lot of people are sharing their wins. So it's very motivating. So we had like four or five wins shared over the last three or four days of different investors accomplishing different things. We encourage people to either ask questions out there, share their wins, engage in the community. And we also host events on there. So really we're just trying to work on building a, it's a cliche, but a big family on Facebook where investors are there to support each other along the way. So a lot of what I've been working on is just trying to put on more content on their reply to questions, engage people, because at the beginning, when creating a community, it does take some time for people to build confidence to start posting, right? You need regular people replying to comments. You need people regularly posting and all of that stuff. So I'm trying to work on creating that community right now. That's been quite time consuming. And then, of course, some business as usual stuff as always. And there's always things going on in the wholesaling side, like systemizing and working on building that wholesale model from the ground
1: up. Yeah. So I'll just say like on the on the rise side, that's just a community that me and Austin are trying to grow. Really, it's just a passion project for us. It's, you know, let's see how far we can get this and how many people's lives we can touch. There's a lot of very experienced investors in the Facebook group and there's a lot of newer investors in the Facebook group. And the beauty of it is a lot of people don't know who's who. So you can, you know, you can ask anything and you'll find like me and Austin are also responding to a lot of questions out there. For us, it's we're more likely to respond to that Facebook group questions than we are to our individual DMs. To me, I see it as a one-to-many platform. I'm able to talk to many individuals and like any questions I answer are seen by many people. So if you're not already on it, get on it. It, it is on Facebook and I know it's pretty uncommon for most people our age to be on Facebook these days, but I think in the real estate community, like it, it's, crazy the amount of time I spend on Facebook now. Like it's ridiculous. There's so many different like investor group or whatever is on Facebook. You can, you know, network with the various individuals. It's actually more active on Facebook for me than sometimes Instagram, right? Cause that's really where you get the communities and the groups and the things like that, that you can join.
0: Believe it uh, or not, people recognize names on Facebook. When you see someone in one group and another group commenting constantly, you, people yeah. start to take notice, right? And people start to reach out to you and you build relationships that way. But Mayu, you were also quite busy yesterday. I was looking on your Instagram story. You were asking the audience to help choose some of your <laughs> results because I don't know if you have the most aesthetic taste. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so because I'm working with a new contractor out on my Belville Flip, I kept the materials buying process in, in close hands, uh, basically in my own hands. So I went out there yesterday with them to buy everything that they need. I told them one option is just email me all the SKUs that you want and I can just order it online. But they were basically at a point where if they didn't get material soon, like they were going to be delayed. So I was like, okay, you know what? Rather than that, I'll just come out there. We'll just buy all the stuff that you need. It's two hours each way, whatever. So we were there for probably about four hours. And, and basically what happened, like they went around, they got everything we needed, whatever is all good. I made some choices on like hardware stuff. And then it, got, it gets to flooring and flooring is always an interesting one, right? So it gets to flooring and I'm like, cool, that's the one that I need. LVP, great, exactly like what we do for all of our other shit, awesome. yeah. Austin, <laughs> right? So and then we go to order it and the guy's like, hey, like I'm actually like backlogged on that. And I'm like, wow. so what else he got and everything else he had nothing was exactly the same as that right the price was more
0: expensive for the other ones right
1: yeah, but it wasn't just a price. It was also like because it's a flip, you're holding costs. You wanna you wanna move through the properties like really quickly, right? Yeah. So everything you had in stock was like too light or too dark and, and things like that. So then it just completely threw off the color palette that I, that we normally use, right? Because it was like your your flooring is impacted by your walls, which are impacted by your cabinets, which are impacted by the hardware, and everything kind of goes in tandem. So once that system was disrupted, it was really annoying. So so I decided to just post on my story because I was like, look, like I have no sense of style when it comes to this stuff. Like black hardware. Or gold like i don't know and my wife has a particular taste as well so i was like why don't i just crowdsource it so i posted it on my story and i was like okay like what do you guys think right because you guys are the general public which is the audience that would eventually buy this flip and it seemed like you know like black hardware was the the main choice gold it's interesting a lot of the opinions i got from people is like if you go with gold you can really control your tenant quality right like the people that want that gold is likely not to be you or I Austin in our twenties, right? It's more likely to be like a family that like, is into like that kind of a look and aesthetic, right? So you can really control your tenant quality with the type of finishes that you put in a property. But when you're going with the flip, you really just want to be able to appeal to the masses, right? Okay. So that's why I went with the gold and the like. Are, are
0: you using vinyl? Are you, cause typically with our rental properties, you go vinyl in the washroom kitchen whenever possible, unless the area demands for it. But since this is a flip, are you going with tiles instead or just vinyl throughout?
1: I'm going with vinyl and vinyl tile. Yeah. So, so like when you study the area, there are houses that have like original hardwood but those are more in the let's call it the elite parts of Belleville. This house is in an area that could very easily be bought as a rental, as a, like some for someone a landlord to own it and just have a turnkey property. Yeah. Uh, or it'll be a very entry level starter family home. At which point the luxury vinyl plank is like it's more than enough for both of those, right? So vinyl plank flooring throughout and then vinyl tile for the bathroom. We had to change our scope of work a little bit I, I was standing in Home Depot and I just had this moment where I was like, oh shit, like, why don't I, why don't I just like expand the washroom and like rejiggle the layout a little bit. So we're we're changing up things a little bit, but it's been a fun process and yeah, like I really like the flipping process. And so we'll see where it goes.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So we're going to dive into today's episode. Actually, before we do so, I I want to bring this up more often now. So if anyone who is listening, enjoys this podcast, please like comment, subscribe to it, share it with a friend. It keeps us going and it gives this podcast more visibility so other people can run across it and we can help other people as well. But we're going to jump straight into this podcast today. We have John and Amanda and John and Amanda has a very interesting story. So they got married at a young age and started a family and they had to put their dreams of real estate investing on hold. In 2017, John and Amanda started to buy properties, and now their their entire goal is to build a solid financial future and a legacy for their children and their family. Their kids are nine and seven, and of course, as you can imagine, managing those kids and investing in real estate is not the easiest journey. So we dig into all of that, and we dig into how they were able to scale into six doors, and they're continuing to scale in their real estate portfolio in Kitchener, Ontario, and they're using our favorite strategy the Burr strategy. So you do not want to miss this episode, guys. It is super inspirational. If you have a family and you're looking to get started in real estate investing as well, John and Amanda share some amazing tips. Tune in. Hello, everyone. We're joined with John and Amanda. How are you guys? We're doing awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah. We're super excited to have you on. So without further ado, let's just dig right into it. For those who are not familiar with you guys or your journey, why don't you just give a brief overview on kind of what you guys do and where where you're at right now with real estate investing?
2: So we're John and Amanda Eagle. We are part of Legacy Home Investments. We live in the just outside Kitchener, Waterloo area of Ontario. We were very young homeowners. We've been into real estate for a very long time but only started investing a few years ago in 2017. Basically now we're on the mission for financial freedom. We have uh, two young children, ages nine and seven. So it's all about building a legacy and creating a solid financial future through real estate for, for them and for us.
0: I love it. So that's very interesting. So you started investing after you guys had two children. It sounds like in that case. Yes. Yeah. Um, that that'd be sounds like a fun journey. Why don't why don't we just dig all the way back before you got started into investing? Let's dig down on your journey because you did mention that you wanted to start investing, but it took until 2017. So where were you guys at before that? What was that mindset shift, and how did you get involved in real estate investing?
3: Yeah. So we started our buying our first property when we were 20. We just bought it for ourselves. It's it a townhouse in Kitchener. We've always loved buying houses. We just kind of like bought primary residences. But once we started thinking about the rentals in about, about 2017, and then we didn't really start getting into like the hardcore, like, you know, leveraging up and really focusing on that until about 2019.
2: So basically, I moved out of my house, my parents house when I was 19. And the plan was for me to just grab an apartment, live somewhere for a short time uh, before I bought a house. And Amanda and I have been together since we were 16 years old. So she was with me at the time and decided she was going to move out with me. So once we got the clearance from her parents, we went ahead and did that. But we promised ourselves that we wouldn't rent for more than a year. There's nothing wrong with renting but we decided because we were already so into real estate we had talked about buying a home and everything together so we basically moved into an apartment never drank never partied did, never did anything basically saved all our money
0: music uh, to my ears i love it yeah, that. yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> we basically didn't do anything for that year and within 13 months we were in our first home it was a new build. So we kind of went through the whole uh, process with the builder, the design and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was just a couple months more than a year. So we kind of stuck to that, that uh, overall goal of not renting for much more than a year. Um, And sorry, what year was that? This was, we moved into that first house in December of 2007. Oh, okay, okay. yeah, so that was the our foray into home ownership. And we would do things like you know, walk through model homes in new construction areas just for fun, just to look around and get ideas. and and so we we had the real estate bug at a very young age, but didn't know nearly uh, as much as we know now about what the possibilities are in real estate investing. So uh, we didn't do much of it or much with it uh, back then.
1: Cool. So, so you got your first one back in. 07, I guess. 08. Right after you buy your first house, and entire economy kind of pauses. It sounds like you were kind of, what do they call that? Like fix, like flipping your principal residences and kind of moving Live around. fix? I think it's called living fix? fix. Yeah, yeah. E, well, I mean, th- these were. This was a
2: brand new home, so we had n- we didn't oh. have anything to do to it. However, we found out we were having our first kid while we were living in that house. And it was, it was m- more than big enough to have a kid in, but we decided if we're gonna start a family, let's move up to something a little bigger. And on one of right. our little walks through model homes, the sales rep mentioned that uh, they, were, they were building another development in the small town of New Hamburg, just outside of Kitchener, and we should check it out. So we checked it out, kind of fell in love with the area and, and with the models that were available. And we decided to go from a 1200 square foot home to a 2300 square foot home, And we built that one as well and so basically we've just kind of for the for several years we used the equity that we had built in our primary residences to to level up our primary residences but still for many years didn't get into it to investing at all it was really just our own homes
1: cool so then so then 2017 to 2019 I guess at this point, you decided to buy some rental properties. What happened during that time? Like what changed and what was the first property that you guys bought?
3: Yeah, so we always were thinking about getting a rental property. So we started with condos. The first condo we bought was in Kitchener and it was just a two bed, two bath. And we really didn't know much about it. I think we we were even negative cash flow on that property. We just wanted to kind of get something and kind of our, our mindset at that point was just get a property, hold it until we're ready to retire when we're like 60, 65. And then that was our retirement money kind of thing. It I, think that's
1: how, I think that's how a lot of people start off with. And the logic's not flawed, right? Like it makes perfect sense.
3: Yeah. So then um, in 2017, we bought two condos. So that first one, and then we bought a pre-construction condo. And it's a one bed, one bath. So it's just a small place in Waterloo and it's it's doing well. But then I think around 2019 was really when we we actually went to a spire event with Scott McGilvery. Mm. And that's when we kind of like learned about cash flow and really kind of got into it. We came home, we watched a whole bunch of like YouTube videos <laughs> and saw like, you know, Matt McKeever, Matt Pichet. And that's when we really like understood that, wow, there's like so much more to this, you know. So.
2: Yeah, the plan was really just buy properties as we could afford to buy them
0: mm-hmm.
2: and hold them long term and basically either live off the rent that they produce in retirement once they're free and clear mm-hmm. or sell them and either live off that money or invest that money and, and live off the income that that investment produces. We were also in a mode where anti-debt of any kind. We had no no yeah. consumer debt. We had no HELOCs. We had basically not, nothing in that way. We didn't even carry a balance on a credit card, and so it was a mind shift for us. But when we realized really how important leverage is in building wealth in real estate, it it, it changed our mindset. So while we still do not carry any consumer debt, we don't rack up credit cards. Any debt that we have is on real estate. But we realize now that the you can build using that leverage is 100% worth that mindset shift and starting to accumulate some debt for the, for the right reasons.
0: Yeah. that's awesome. So it seems like you guys did actually go down the traditional path. I know like as Mayu was also agreeing on now, a lot of people do start off with the condos, right? But most people never end up evolving past that. So it seems like clearly you guys did the education that was required to evolve past that. What was it about the condos that attracted to you to that investment initially? Because I noticed that a lot of new investors, they, they feel like condos is the right place to go. And for the most most of them, it ends up being passive, which is why they enjoy it. Was there any particular reason why you wanted to invest in condos for the first? It was three properties, right? Were, were condos? Uh, two. We two. Two properties. Okay.
3: Yeah. I think the ease, it, they were just easy, right? Like low maintenance, less expensive to, to purchase. So it just seemed more doable, especially because we're in a very hot, hot market in yeah. KW.
2: Yeah. And the fact that they were both new, like the first one we bought was only four years old and the second one was pre-construction, which means there, for the foreseeable future, there wouldn't be any major maintenance items. Yeah, um, And so I think, you know, you, you help always have that concern about whether a, a condo fee is going to go up. And so I think at a certain point we realized we're probably going to get out of these condos before that happens. But for the time being, we had easy tenants the, there was nothing that we had to do and if there was these places were within 20 minutes of where we lived so it was just it was just easy
1: yeah yeah i think i think the other thing there that a lot of people won't pick up on is what you guys were doing is the very basic standard of real estate investing and there's like nothing wrong with it where it's every like 2 years every 3 years whatever it is you save up money from your like day jobs and like whatever you just re- reinvest that into a real estate asset and then you leave it you don't worry about it 20 or 30 years down the road, that thing's going to be paid off and it's going to fund your entire retirement, right? So that's how I got started because I was talking to my friend about it. I'm like, look, man, like if we buy three of these condos in downtown Toronto and each one gets you like two grand a month in rent or whatever it is, 25 years from now, that mortgage is going to be gone and I'm going to be getting 2K a month in rent. Like, that's it. I'm, I'm retiring at the age of 50. Like, what more do I need, right? Exactly. Uh, so I, yeah Yeah, so, but but now I I – I also get where you, cause back in 07, when you guys started, I think if YouTube was as big of a thing as it is now, if all these podcasts were out there, I think the game would have been completely different. I think everyone would have oh, like, known. And like, like now you talk to any like 20 to like 20, 25 year old, all, all these, like a lot of, or maybe it's just the people I surround myself with, but they just talk about like real estate all the time. Right. So I feel like everyone knows these strategies and the information so much more accessible. So, okay. So you had your principal residence, you had two condos. So now you've got six units. Is that right?
2: Today we have six yeah. doors. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, what was that transition from the condos? What did you then like jump into? And how are you guys funding all this? Because, I mean, yeah. with your principal residence, you've got two kids. Like, I <laughs> um,
2: so I, I'm. I mean, we're fortunate that I I do uh, have a, a good income in my my regular job. Amanda has been a stay at home mom since our youngest was born. So that would be just uh, just over seven years ago now. And so we can make moves while still having a good quality of life using my income. And the the shift was, and I think it really started after that Keyspire event, we didn't join Keyspire, but it really inspired us. And um, once we sp- spent all that time on YouTube, we realized just look, it's basically the Burr method that we started really studying. And Matt Pichet was a big influencer on SST as on many others. And he happens to be in our market. So we even use him as a realtor now. He's got all the knowledge as far as finding deals and and offering on deals and renovating. And so we learned a lot from him. And once we started to realize what we could do, and and we really didn't love condos, it's really houses that we've always loved single detached homes. And we loved the thought of converting an old house into two really nice homes for, for good tenants. And so the, the first part of the, the transition happened when we decided we're going to get into duplex conversions in Kitchener and to fund that first deal, we're going to sell that first condo. And so the first condo was roughly, I would say on average negative 150 to 200 bucks a month. And while it was growing in value like crazy and the the, it, the, the negative $200 didn't really affect us at all, we realized that the growth uh, on, on duplex conversions is going to be far superior to that of that uh, of that condo.
1: So then at that point, though, the market had appreciated a fair bit, I'm assuming, from 2017 to 2019 when you were debating selling. Why not just go to HELOC and, and, and refinance it, pull out your cash and fund the duplex? Like, why did you decide to sell it? I think that in order
2: to completely
1: fund it, we
2: needed all the equity okay. and okay. so sense, we yeah. we couldn't go 80% plus there was not a lot tying us to to that condo like we weren't in love with it and we knew we could do better things with that money
1: yeah, i did. guess if you were already cash flow negative as well then if you would refinance at a higher valuation your cash negative position would have just Even kept worse. increasing yeah. right yeah, yeah. yeah so i guess that makes sense as well. Like, why would you want to yeah. you know, dig yourself deeper in that? <laughs> um, okay. So you, so you sold so that You're line. teaching
0: these people negative cash flow. <laughs>
1: yeah, you're not going to, I'm going to kick you out of the house. Well, <laughs> I mean, okay. So I've got two of my Toronto properties. I just refinanced them recently and they're basically at break even cash flow or like at that point of it's going to be negative if I refinance it again. So it's something that I've been thinking about as well. It's like, shit, like, do I keep do I keep refinancing this? And then I'm just digging myself into a hole on one end or do do I just offload it? So that's why the thought was there anyways. So you sold off that one condo. Did you, did you sell off the condo first or did you buy the duplex first? We We sold sold the condo first. first. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. And And what made you go with the duplex conversion strategy? Why don't we actually touch on duplex conversion? What exactly is it? And why did you decide on that strategy for your particular market?
2: Yeah, so we uh, a duplex conversion is essentially converting one single family home into two units, and it's in in our area that typically means a bungalow, uh, main floor unit, usually three beds, and then a basement unit that's either one or two bedrooms, sometimes three if it's a it's a larger home. So basically, why did we choose? duplex conversions, mainly because of the risk. We we don't want to be in large multifamilies, at least at that time. Maybe we'll get there at some point. But the risk mitigation of having two paying tenants rather than one in case somebody doesn't pay. We do love the renovation aspect and the design aspect of of things. But I think I would personally rather do a single family renovation and rent it to one family if it wasn't for the risk of doing that. So, the duplex conversions are the next best thing for us without getting into real, like, multifamily buildings.
0: Yeah, I think that totally makes sense. And of course, by diversifying your tenants as well, you're also collecting more rent. So now you have two rents. So your gross rents are much, much better. So you're getting greater cash flow. And of course, you're also forcing appreciation in the property as well. So, are you doing these legally or are you doing non conforming type of conversions?
3: Yeah, they're legal.
1: Okay. Yeah. And, and so is there anything stopping you from converting a single family house into a triplex, like with the basement units, splitting them into two separate units?
3: The size of the bungalows are pretty small. I guess it depends on the property. I think some yeah. people do that with like two stories, two story homes. You can, it,
2: it all depends on the layout. It, yeah. the, the, the one that we just did is a small, like less than thousand square foot wartime brick bungalow. Right. So there's really no room to put more than than two units. In fact, the one that we did, our plan was to do three up, two down. And at the last minute, we realized just how small the kitchen and living space would be if we made the basement two bedrooms. So we actually made it one bedroom and have a nice Mm -hmm. big living room now. Mm -hmm. And we still did pretty well on the rents considering that. But yeah, really uh, triplex conversions are a thing. Just the properties that we typically look at it wouldn't be.
1: Oh, okay, I know a cool. lot of people in Scarborough and even in Tobacco are doing that like all
0: non-conform. right well they're doing it non- illegally right yeah <laughs> yeah I could turn a single family to a quadplex if I wanted <laughs> to <laughs> yeah, that's
3: right
1: yeah I, mean, I was just wondering if there's anything stopping them from doing it illegally as well but the it sounds law? like it, it really just depends on well not a lot okay so it's not the law it's just the size of the bungalow is that right
2: in our case, yeah. it's the size of the property that that yeah. prevents us. Technically, we could build on if we wanted to, but, and I the haven't, I haven't looked into yet. it, but I would say that's not cost effective. Mm-hmm. I think, I think with the properties that we look at, duplex conversion is the, is the most cost effective uh, way of doing it.
0: Mm-hmm. I've also heard, and this is getting off topic, that when you go to triplexes from a single family, you have to pay development levies to the city, right? Going one unit up is fine, but going two above adding extra unit, now you get you have to pay levies mm-hmm. to it. And mm-hmm. that could be quite costly unless the numbers actually make a lot of sense.
1: I don't know how true- I have no is. idea. Yeah,
0: yeah that's yeah. what I've heard from Not a couple true. of people.
1: Like, it's just, you know, you start to think about, okay, what's the future of these properties? What strategies are people gonna be doing in the next like five years, right? Like it's like the duplex conversion. I'm sure like you guys are seeing like the, the houses that are perfect duplex conversions are probably getting bid up, bid up now, right? So yeah, yeah we can
2: we can talk about uh, we can talk about uh, something that just happened today. <laughs> we correct. so we we've been offering all week on duplex conversion properties um, for like for like the last week and today the the property we offered on had 26 other offers. Shees, that's crazy. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so so roughly in this area they get listed around the 500,000 mark. And depending on the sorry, this is
0: Kitchener,
1: right? This is Kitchener.
2: This is just Kitchener. Yeah. So do
1: you do Kitchener Waterloo in Cambridge or just Kitchener?
2: Duple- we'll, we'll invest in those other cities, but for duplex okay. conversions, pretty much just Kitchener because okay. you, you don't... There's... Is there a reason
1: you don't do Cambridge? Like put in Cambridge? Is it...
0: Cambridge is more expensive, I've heard, right? Kitchener is the cheapest of the... No, I, I think, I you, think could Cambridge... probably, you could probably get into Cambridge for
2: a, a decent price. But from what I understand, and I haven't done a lot of research on it yet, but from what I understand, the bylaws for duplex conversions are a little tougher. So I think in this area, if you're really into duplex conversions, you stick to Kitchener.
0: So, so you're picking idea. you're picking up these single families on the market it'd be around 500,000 to 500 plus.
2: They're listed for 500, they don't go for 500, they go for closer to 550. If it if it has if it has a garage and it has three up and the potential for two down, it's probably going for around 550. And if it doesn't have a garage, you might be able to get it in the 525 to 535 range. But this one that we uh, lost out on today did not have a garage and it needed a lot of work. And our offer was five thirty-two, and we—that we, was what the max we were comfortable with on this deal—and we we lost out on it. So you just never know. It's in a pretty night-like sought-after area of Kitchener, so that may not have helped. But yeah, the the market here is absolutely insane. And, and that's not the lowest number or the highest number of offers that we've had uh, against us on a duplex conversion property. There was one that had 51 offers. Mm-hmm. Wow. It was, it was list- oh, I don't think we've ever seen
1: that. Yeah. I think it's
3: because like they listed it for like $3.99. Um, no, two, they listed it for two ninety oh, yeah. nine and it's
1: a new they're doing. $498. $4.98
2: it's sold for.
3: Yeah, so you're getting yeah. people that are lowballing and just hoping that they'll get it, right? Yeah. But, yeah. yeah.
1: That's awesome. That's kickers. that's, that's yeah. kickers. <laughs> so okay. So you buy it at $5.50. How much does a duplex conversion <laughs> cost now? Is it like somewhere
0: around a hundred? 120 just, is a yeah. is a better so yeah. 120 including the upstairs or you're just doing the basement on that budget oh, the including the whole thing, thing
3: for the renovation okay yeah. let's, let's oh, okay. say the
0: upstairs turn key and you're just trying to convert the basement closer to 70 grand. you would say 70 to 80 80. yeah okay actually yeah maybe a little more the last one that we
2: did was 80 in the basement but again it was only 80. one bedroom so it might have been a little more had we done two but yeah about 80k for the or
0: place. you know what let's actually dig down let's do a case study of one of your Duplex conversions because that'll help us get a better understanding as well. Yep. So you picked up a bungalow at Kitchener, and how much did you pay for it? We paid. Maya, I'm back. gonna trust you to. You have your Excel open. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm running the numbers high level. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> All right.
3: Yeah. So we pay We bought it for five twenty-five.
0: And how long ago was this? In April. Okay. Oh, so the, was that a COVID deal? Was that is yes, that it? Was. Yeah. Oh, nice.
3: We were lucky with that one because it was our realtor that had an invest investor that was wanting just to get rid of the property. He bought it and didn't wanted to do something else, I guess. So we got it off market, which helped.
2: It, we nice. didn't get it for what any less money. For? We didn't get it for any less money. We just didn't have competition, so we had to jump on it.
0: If you yeah. were to take that and throw it on the market today, what do you think you would you would get for it? Five, so six like eight, before eight, renovating
2: before, before before renovating
0: yeah, yeah. just throw it out on the market today we're uh, five trying five to see five
2: 50, 550 five
1: 50, yeah.
0: yeah that's that's a pretty good appreciation for literally just a couple of months <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah yeah okay yeah. so okay so we're, we're gonna run the numbers at 525 yeah. okay so you bought this 525 it was a three plus two it was a three, three plus, plus one. one okay three plus well, what's the one. scope of
0: work that was required on this property including upstairs and then the conversion work.
2: It was, uh, the upstairs, even though it was dated, it was in pretty good shape. So there was mainly just some cosmetic stuff. Uh, it was about 30 K upstairs and Uh, 80k in the basement but the basement has you could you could call it finished but it was it was old uh, everything it it, we took it down to the studs. we had to basically gut it and we you know did thing we we expanded the size of the bathroom so we could put a shower in and and did stuff like that so uh, a lot a lot of work down there but uh, 30 up and then 80 down
0: so does that 30k is that a cosmetic cosmetic lift or did you do some layout changes or you you tore off no? Like what what no. was that scope of work covered in that
2: 30k upstairs? We didn't even change the cupboards. We painted the cupboards white. Okay. We didn't we would we would have changed the countertops, but due to COVID, it was tough getting material. So we left yes. them. They, they weren't bad. The original linoleum floors from the 60s, we covered that with uh, vinyl plank, luxury nice. vinyl plank, the hardwood floors that, that goes through the kitchen and the uh and the kind of the laundry area, but the, the living room and bedrooms and the hallway. Had hardwood floors that had been recently refinished, so we didn't have to touch them. The bathroom, we didn't change much. We kind of put a new vanity, new light fixture, new mirror. That's about it. Nice. Uh, and then painted everywhere and put new uh, hardware, like handles on on the doors and and the cupboards. That's pretty
3: much yeah. it. That's,
0: that's all. True. It's a small renovations that make the biggest difference. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah that's that's
1: for sure. So so sorry. So that was five twenty five purchase price, and then what was the total reno- repairs? 120000 upstairs, 120,000. I think we finished that. Yeah. So what, what
0: was covered in the downstairs scope of work? So were you guys increasing basement height or was it already okay throughout? And how about window size and natural lighting? What was the scope of work that was covered within that 80 grand?
3: So the basement we did, yeah, brought it right down to the studs. We had to remove a fireplace. We put up walls for like, but you know, we created a kitchen and the bedroom. The bathroom, we had to extend it because it was just like a powder room. So we had to add a shower. So we kind of added some square footage from the laundry room in there.
2: It's a good question about the ceiling height. We did not have to do anything with the height, but the bulkheads ended up being a little bit below the minimum uh, height requirement. So when it got inspected, it failed And the inspector made us round all the edges and, and corners of the bulkheads.
3: Oh, bulk yeah. So
2: you don't yeah. hurt yourself or? So honestly, yeah. like you're still gonna hurt yourself if you yeah. hit your head on that. But uh, <laughs> I think it's softens the that? blow a little bit uh, rather than having the sharp corners. And so rather, oh. than, rather than make us, like that would have been a nightmare having to remove the ductwork and, and all the bulkheads and actually re- reduce the size of them would have been crazy. So we were thankful that all we had to do was round the edges, but everything was done. They had to actually go back and like redo, redo that part. It
3: all. yeah.
2: But small small price to pay,
0: it, it, it was better than having to rip everything out. That's awesome. So your window sizes and all of that, they were all okay, like right off the well, bat.
3: We, yeah, we did put an egress window in, kind of in the kitchen area, but the other windows were fine. And I think we replaced one window in the bathroom.
2: Yeah, we placed, replaced the bathroom window. The All the other windows were fine. Yeah. But we did need to put a 4x4 four four egress window right in the main area, which, was, yeah. which added a ton of light. And it's actually beautiful. So it turned out really nice.
1: So... I'm curious now because me and Austin, we don't do a, a whole lot of like du- duplex conversions, right? Like, especially in the markets we invest in, we just buy duplex as is and do the renos on that. But what's like the most painful part of a duplex conversion? Is it just the buy? Like as long as you buy right, you're good? Or is it the permitting or is it the renovations, the inspections? Like I know there's a lot of different moving parts, but if you guys were to pinpoint one part of it, what's the most painful one? Today, For me,
3: I think it's buying the it's property. It's finding the deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like impossible to get, a, get enough.
2: Yeah, a and in, in our market, it is. It is like you literally have to offer on every single possible duplex mm-hmm. listing that you that you see. But uh, because our contractor has done multiple duplex conversions in Kitchener. We didn't do, we had no part of the permitting or, mm-hmm. or the inspections or anything. We were pretty hands off with this because we had a trusted contractor that could get it done from start to finish. We popped in every now and then just to see what was going on, but that's it. So we, you know, that it is, really, yeah. it was a pretty painless process i'm not sitting here saying that everyone is going to be painless but if you have the right people in place it can help with that and uh, so yeah i would would say definitely just finding the deal and and actually locking it down is going to be the toughest part right now
1: cool it's awesome okay so you bought it 525 repairs 118 what do you guys hit on the refinance like what is it appraised for after
3: 670 is what we got nice i I think 680 would have it would have been probably for a two-bedroom, but because it was a one-bedroom, we uh, appraised it at 670. So we, but we got we did get really good rents, higher than what we were expecting. So that was that was great.
0: Yeah. That's it. Okay, that's awesome. so yeah. So duplexes are going for 680 in Kitchener. You know, yes. I, would say, I awesome. would say there's a good
2: chance that the sale price is going to be better than the appraisal.
0: No uh, way. So you're looking at 700 plus yeah. with the dupe. Wow. I, yeah. Because I there's this.
2: If it's done right, I think you can get 700
1: in, in the right area, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree. Like yours is like pretty much like fully renovated, right? Like it's a, it's a much more modern, like good quality finishes. Like a lot yeah. of appraisers don't really take that into consideration. It almost pays to be like doing it like in like cheap quality finishes and stuff like that. And you're gonna end up with the same valuation from an appraiser anyways. It's um, true
2: because like you like upstairs, we didn't change a lot of our finishes. Um, but, but having said that, because of COVID, the appraiser, right. the appraiser would only enter a non-occupied unit. And with this project, we actually completed the main floor renovation first so that we could rent that unit out and have income coming in while we worked on the basement. So instead of having to carry the property for four months, we actually didn't have to make our own uh, a mortgage payment on our own at all, because we just did the top floor first, got it rented, uh, and then and then did the basement so the top floor the main floor was was occupied so he didn't even go in there i just had to kind of explain to him what it looked like but i think i think you're right that there's a kind of a number that most of these go for regardless of the finishes so i don't think you have to go too high end to get that arv
1: i mean i so i saw a pretty turnkey duplex Austin. you might have seen it too in london ontario And they were asking, I think, like 550 or something like that. So for Cambridge and and Kitchener and the, like closer markets to hit 700, like it seems pretty logical to me. It seems like a, a good valuation for them.
0: Yeah. What's uh, crazy is, is that, you know, Oshawa, I'm seeing duplexes appraised for high 600s in Oshawa. And all, but like, you know, Oshawa is kind of an <laughs> odd city. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> That's
1: all um, about okay. <laughs> i about it.
0: I'm pretty sure some of our viewers... I love Oshawa.
2: <laughs> well, we we have j- just outside of Kitchener, like actually close to the small town we live in, there's a little town called Baden. And there was a duplex... Uh, Baden? That, Baden? Baden? Baden, yeah. B-A-D-E-N. Yeah. And it had a duplex. This is maybe four, five, six months ago. It looked like a side-by-side duplex, two two doors side-by-side, but one was the upper and one was the lower. I think it was a two bed and a one bed or three bed and a one bed. And it sold turnkey for 700. And the values in Baden are not as high as they are in Kitchener. So I'm pretty confident that if we were to put it on the market, we could get pretty darn close to seven, if not seven. And the appraisals don't match what it would sell
1: for Mm -hmm,
0: mm mm-hmm
2: it's awesome
1: so what does your cash flow numbers look like then for like once you've done this duplex, and i i mean it could be this one or it could be something else but you said this was a three plus one right yeah
2: so we rented the main level the three bedroom for 1850 plus a hydro
1: okay
2: we cover gas and water we did split the hydro by the way that's why we can do that
0: those are actually Uh, really good rents is that market rent or do you think you can get a bit higher or less now
2: no I, i think that most people would get less we we kind of played the patience game and we tried to find the right tenant who was willing to pay a little bit more i mean the going rate for a three bed in a duplex is 1750
0: mm-hmm.
2: we we managed to get 1850 great tenant everything's going really good the basement we would have gotten probably 16 if it was a two bed Okay, we ended up getting 1450, but it has a single car garage that that tenant also rented for 100 bucks. So we're getting 1850 and 1550. And uh, after after the refi and after all expenses, I would say we're probably sitting right around 350 to 450 in cash flow.
0: That's really good yeah. for for the the Kitchener market brand new product duplex. That's yep. mm-hmm. that's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, and I think you're getting really good tenant quality as well. Like with, with these kind of products as well, right? But like once you finish it up nicely, like your tenant risk is probably not going to go vacant as as often as minor Austin's like Mentals would. I mean, I right. think you know you, you pay the premium for the market, right? Like Kitchener's, you know, the, the, what are they calling like the next. What do they call it? Like Silicon a Tech Valley. Capital or Silicon something? Valley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. you know, there's significant upside potential there. So, you did that one. And, and so now you're at a total of six units. What are you guys looking at next? And are you just going to keep doing the duplex conversions?
2: So, basically, the six units consist of the one condo in Waterloo that we still have, the pre construction one, the duplex and ready for this a triplex in moncton new brunswick
0: whoa yeah. okay. <laughs> nice I've, I've heard great things about the market so, so we should have wait, not bought
1: it up yeah i know <Yeah>. an <laughs>
0: entire new discussion
2: so to, to answer your question yes the plan is to continue with the duplex conversions in Kitchener. we've Flip flopped, and this is going to be good for newer investors to hear. We flip flopped back and forth with our strategy multiple times. We knew what we wanted to achieve as far as uh, passive income, retirement goals, all that kind of stuff. But when we bought in Moncton, the reason we did that was because you're going to get better monthly cash flow in Moncton than you are here. And we thought, okay, let's expedite the cash flow goals. And buy some properties in Moncton until we at least get pretty close to our goal and then come back to the fun stuff and do more duplex conversions in Kitchener because that's really what we want to do. Out of province investing doesn't excite us and I have to be completely hands off, which is different. So the quality of tenants that we're seeing there is not as good. And so we're definitely halting our, our out of province investing and we're just going to stick with the duplex conversions the the net, the effect on our net worth and our retirement goals, I think is still far better here than there.
0: And ultimately your return on time, because now that it's in your backyard, obviously better tenant quality and you yep. can manage it here and there if you need to. It's just yep. time better spent here, less stress. And overall, again, as you were saying, you're still going to hit your goals.
1: But, uh, so yeah. I have to know that I have to know these numbers in Moncton. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> we can't just let you go like that. Um, okay. So you bought a property out in Moncton. It was, a, it's a triplex, but I'm just curious. How much did you buy the triplex for? We bought
3: it for 244,000.
1: Okay. And was this like a burr or are you guys kind of just buying something turnkey? and?
3: Yeah, it was turnkey. It was recently renovated, so
2: it was renov- being renovated while it was listed. So it was like they were finishing up as we were we were closing on it, like like the day of. And That's so we we didn't follow the Burr method with this, but the cash flow. I mean, and there's no LTB yeah. there, so we're we're <laughs> able to give notice to remove hydro from rents to raise rents. Um, and so we're like, you know what, this is going to be a, a cash flow play. It's not going to be a Burr play. And yeah, yeah. W- but when we're done making, we only closed on that at the end of June. When we're done making the financial changes as far as the utilities and the the rent goes, we'll be cash flowing between fifteen hundred and two thousand dollars a month on that building.
1: Wow, okay. that's awesome! Yeah. Yeah. And you're only you're only leaving like what was it like forty five grand or something like that, fifty grand in there as yep. a down payment, and then I mean, but, geez, yep. your cash flow is almost like fifty percent cash on cash. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. So that, that makes sense. And Moncton's popped up somewhere before. I feel like it was like Andrew Hines' podcast or someone. So Moncton, someone
0: a bunch it. of a bunch of investors are jumping there because of their 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 prices are so low, and it it is it is like the London of the East Side, if that makes sense. It has its own little industries keeping it afloat, right? But it's still. It's still not fundamentally <laughs> as strong as something you'll see in Ontario, in my opinion, my humble opinion. Yeah.
2: So yeah. so I think we'll, we'll hold on to it. I mean, there's yeah. there's no reason not to, but it just didn't excite us. And the reason we got into real estate is not just because of the financial aspect of it. As I, we mentioned earlier, we, we've been wanting to get into real estate since we were 18 years old. We were saving money at 18 to buy a property, which is not super normal. And so... We do it because we love it, and there's nothing about buying a property uh, com- that you can't even look at, that you can't even touch that we mm-hmm. that we like. It was really just cash flow. So I think we're gonna, uh, we're still gonna do really well financially here in town, and we can actually be involved and do what we enjoy doing.
1: You guys get out there yet
2: to go look at it and touch no. and feel? No. We
3: if it wasn't for to. COVID, we yeah. probably would
2: have gone this past summer, yeah. but
0: nope, we have yeah. not been there
3: we'll take a family trip out
0: there eventually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I do have a question. You guys pivoted your strategies around you you've been wanting to get in real estate for a while so you started off with I guess like a like a new build and 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 started duplex conversions, went to all of these meetups. Throughout that entire journey, what would you say is your biggest takeaway or um, one of your biggest learning lessons? Could be a mistake that you made or could be at an event you went to and just got a key takeaway from it. But what's something that sticks with you and resonates with you to this day that's helped you navigate throughout the rest of the real
3: estate journey? I think for us, I think it was just not starting earlier. Like we, we wish that we would have started this sooner. If we would have known about house hacking or something, you know, back when we were 20 We probably would have done that
2: yeah it 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 became a little bit and you one of the first things you mentioned was wow you so you started doing this after you had kids and i think that having kids when we're trying to become investors is Mm -hmm. tough because you you kind of have a lot of other priorities so you can't move as quickly and had we done it beforehand Mm -hmm. and like like amanda said house hacked held on to the first property as a rental, something that kind of got us into the REI game earlier, which would have been, you know, that's 15 years ago, or when we sold, I guess that's 12 years ago or so. Now they uh,
3: know how old we are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we, uh, we,
2: we would have been better off financially,
1: and we could have moved up my retirement age for sure. No, I mean, I I get exactly what you're saying. Because ultimately, I mean, me and Austin, we spend way too much time on the phone together with each other and our contractors and our agents. So I can't imagine doing that with two kids. And then, yeah, like ultimately the goal I think for everyone is you want to have enough wealth where you can either just be a fully like passive partner, capital partner, private lending, something like that, Mm -hmm. and dedicate as much time towards real estate investing as you want to dedicate to it, right? So that's a goal for all of us. I'm sure we'll get there one day for you guys another five years from now. Yeah. Um, Which perfect segue into our into our final three questions that we generally like to ask everyone. So, John and Amanda, five years from now, like what what are your goals and where are we going to be seeing you guys? What are you guys going to be doing? And
2: so I'm definitely going to be quitting my job Um, around that time. I would say I think before 40 is the goal (laughs) at this point. And it, had we continued to invest in Moncton, maybe it'd be sooner. I don't know, but we're not going to do, do it that way. We will still continue to invest in real estate at that point. It'll just be a full-time thing as full-time as we want it to be. I should say, like you said, and we'll, we'll automate it as much as possible and, yeah. and do some private lending.
3: And lots of travel. <laughs>
2: definitely, def, 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 yeah. yeah. definitely travel. Yeah.
0: Family trips. Nice. Second question is, if you guys won $10 million, what would you do with it? I know you're going to invest it. So maybe we'll touch a little bit about the investing part. But what else would you do with it for fun, entertainment or anything else like that?
3: I think uh, definitely vacations, like we had said, and fun money, but also helping our families and giving to charities. And my dad has Parkinson's. So I'd, of course, that would be number one to give, give to them.
2: Um, I, I, I think basically we would split it into a few different segments. I think the first, the first couple million bucks would be giving back to family and 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 just donating, uh, you know, to to causes that are that are close to our hearts. I think, like she said, a little bit of fun money, things that we would never consider buying for ourselves. We we, we might have a little bit of fun. A couple million bucks would would be would be lent out privately. And then the rest would be continuing our fun real estate investing journey.
1: Yeah, turn, exactly. turn that money into more money. That's the crazy part about it, right? You really don't need that much money to create a good return with, with private lending, right? You got $2 million, like, should, like almost 200K a year or something so like that. 200K right?
2: a year. I, yes. and, and that's just from private lending. It doesn't even take into account what, we've, what we're have what we getting from the real estate. And so I think we, we enjoy real estate too much to stop but it will be a lot more hands-off. I self-manage, other than the Moncton property, I self-manage everything and I'll probably continue to do that for a while. I would automate it and we would take trips whenever we want and probably not see very much snow.
3: Yeah. Awesome.
1: Okay, and so for our third question, if you could have dinner with any person, dead or alive, both of you can answer independently if you want or together, who would it be and why?
3: Yeah, I would probably have to say Adam Sandler. (laughs) 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 I just think he's like hilarious and we went to see him in Toronto once and I think he'd just be fun it'd, to it'd hang fun. Was it
0: for his stand-up show? Like the one for net, like I know he had a new stand-up series on Netflix. Was it for that one? It, it was, it was yeah. a,
2: a spin-off of, of that. Uh, I think he had two back-to-back uh, tours and mm-hmm. so he was at Budweiser stage and, and did his, mm-hmm. his routine and it was, it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. And your favorite movie is The Wedding Singer too. So, you know, it'd be cool. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. And, uh, and for me, it's kind of tough. Like, I I think I would keep it in the the comedy realm. I would say it's not a single person, but the cast of The Office, I think would be just a hell of a lot of fun. Oh, that'd be
0: dope. Yeah. I
2: I just, I love that (laughs) show. Uh, It's my go-to for when I just want to throw something on real quick. And I've watched every episode multiple times. I have a good time with that one. So I think, uh, if I could have dinner or something with with the cast of the office would be amazing.
1: That's awesome.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Awesome guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. John and Amanda really appreciate it. If people want to follow you on social media, where can they find you?
2: We're on Instagram at legacy home investments, same with Facebook and uh, we're on YouTube as well. So definitely look us up and follow along and looking forward to networking and meeting more people in the,
0: community. Love it. Love it. You guys have this super inspirational story. Not many people decide to jump into investing once they have kids, but you guys are doing it with a lot of success. Uh, Best of luck to you on your journey. And again, guys, make sure to give them a follow. We need to have you guys back on sometime in the future because we couldn't cover everything we'd like to. Otherwise, this podcast could be three or four hours long. Um, We'll come back whenever you want. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Make sure to share it with a friend, like, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff because it keeps us motivated to keep on pumping more content out there. And then until next time, guys, invest smarter and live better.